talk about you know uh, sometimes I'm, i think to myself i wish i could come back and preach something else that's uh, not the same thing that i keep preaching again and again it's not that i'm preaching the same thing it's the same topic but uh, i just feel bound by the lord to keep going down this track so we go back to the whole idea of what is the church supposed to do and meant to do and part of this will help us pray later on and trust me it won't take an hour to pray it'll be much shorter so you'll get home much sooner than you thought so um first thing is guys um here is another way to phrase what god wants you and me for i love this phrase we have been set apart by christ this is so easy to remember it is so simple so beautiful that i don't think any of us will forget this we have been set apart by christ to assist him in setting others apart that is it basically guys we have been set apart by christ to assist him in setting others apart this is the sum of what the church is supposed to do what you and i are supposed to do in many different ways based on our functions the phases of life that we are in but at the end of the day this is it i have been set apart by christ to assist him in setting others apart this is the whole idea of being a coworker this is the whole idea of the function of the church but such a simple sentence such a simple sentence i have been set apart we have been set apart by christ now to assist him in setting others apart as in sanctifying them for him calling them aside for him any questions on that this is so easy to remember that uh, and it's so beautiful somehow that this is what christ is doing come help me assist me in setting others apart just as you were set apart i mean look at how your life has been changed eh? through a very difficult week for some of you some of you had small accidents some of you fell some of you had sicknesses and diseases some of you had other situations through all that what would you do if christ wasn't there i just can't imagine how i would manage simple crises I, i don't know how the world manages where do they go man where is hope and so this is what we are after any questions or any comments on that before we go on no do you think it's as simple and beautiful as i'm making it out to be or do you think i'm overdoing it yep yeah <laughs> which is why i kind of liked it cuz i could so easily remember this cuz other ones are pretty uh, com- complex you really have to memorize them this you can actually think through so this is what we are aiming after in this church both for you as an individual and for me and for us as a body so all of us are at different phases or different um have different functions in doing this but the intent is the same so we may have diff- we may have different functions and different phases that we are in but the purpose is the same purpose is the same and what's the purpose this we have been set apart by christ to assist him in setting others apart 
And when a church fails to do this, or when a church sidelines it, or sidesteps it, or when I as an individual or a pastor sideline or sidestep it, then really we're not fulfilling the function of a church and the church becomes a monstrosity because it's not engaging in the one thing that the church is supposed to engage in. And uh, it should excite us a little because this is Christ's call on our life as a church, right? This is Christ's call on Christians. So, um, how do we do this? This is where those big words come in, which Diana was talking about. We proclaim, we penetrate, we progress. We proclaim. It is impossible to set people aside. It is impossible to help Christ uh, set others aside without proclaiming what Christ proclaimed. It is not possible. And uh, the church in the West has learned how to avoid it. But it is impossible to do it without proclaiming. And so find ways to proclaim Christ. Find ways to proclaim Christ. Penetrate. Why penetrate? Because, guys, most churches go only to the same places that have been visited by hundreds of other churches. I saw a map in India which showed the places that have been approached by the gospel and the big cities have been approached by the gospel for 200 years now so often that it's saturated. But the rest of India, about 70% of India, 70% of uh, 1.2 billion. That's what? Of 1.2 billion. You're a banker. Sorry? 840 million. Out of the 840 million, about 600 million still haven't heard. Because most of the proclamation, most of the proclamation does not penetrate places where it hasn't been heard. So, uh, uh, these, these three words are not too difficult. I'm trying to memorize these words myself so that I don't forget that one, Jacob, it's not enough to teach in a church. It's important to proclaim and use every opportunity to proclaim. Two, that you must penetrate places that the gospel has not gone into or is not welcome in. Because if you only preach where it is welcome, then it's already been there before. And third, uh, it must progress. It is not enough to say it now that you've said it. What are you doing about the seed that you have sown? One must water it. Why is this important, guys? Because this is really what Seek First is about. This is what Seek First is about. Seek First, His Kingdom. This is what the Kingdom is about. Really, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not adding, I'm not trying to make two and two equal to five. I'm just telling you that this, at the end of the we Kingdom is the rule and reign of Christ. The rule and reign of Christ, if it has to be sought first, these are, this is what it is. It's impossible to avoid this. And everyone must be involved in it. Everyone must be involved in it. And we'll talk about the different ways of involvement. Any questions, any thoughts, any disagreements? Come on, guys, any thoughts on this? This is the essence of who you are. Do you agree? It, or it should be the essence of who you are. The different ways of proclaiming, we'll leave that aside for now. But this is who you are. If this is not your first definition, then everything else is just gravy. I have been set apart by Christ to assist him in setting others apart. Different functions and phases exist, but the purpose is the same. I can only do it by proclaiming what Christ is proclaiming. Hey, Christ penetrated your life, guys. Some of us were from Mongolia, some from Pakistan, some from India. 
places that the gospel may have gone initially in the first century, but after that, what happened? Dried up. But Christ kept sending people into nations that were blocked, that were walled, so that the light of the gospel may pierce the darkness. And you and me and our children and our children's children, think of how because of the penetration of the gospel through someone, it did come through someone. You are the result of it. How can I hold back now? So that someone else's children and children's children also bear what I have borne. This is the essence of who we are, guys. For far too long, for far too long, we, when I say we, I'm not necessarily talking about Acts 20. For far too long, we've been about so many other things as, as churches. Pains my heart when I go around the world and see how off-kilter it has been. These are simple truths. Thoughts. Thoughts, guys. Go ahead, guys. Any thoughts? Okay. Sure. I, uh, I have been, as an old man, following the uh, royal family. I kind of enjoy Prince Harry. And... Uh, William and Kate and all that stuff. I don't know why, but I just kind of do. But it illustrates for us the kingdom. Um, right now, there's uh, in the last few years, there's a, a Kate has become, who was a commoner, has become royalty. And we've got Meg and Markle, who's going to become royalty. And, you know, they have to learn how to fit into the kingdom. And the kingdom has... Traditions and things they follow and learn. Well, we're part of a kingdom too, and we're all royalty. You get adopted into the family and you become part of the kingdom. It's called, you're called a king and a priest. And the kingdom is supposed to have traditions and ideas and things we learn and follow, and we meet in church here to do all that. So I think everything Jacob is saying fits into that whole idea. And if you look at the royal family and the learning that a person who is part of the family has to go through, uh, that speaks to us about our learning. There's traditions, there's ideas, there's uh, things to do. If you happen to be uh, called by the queen to, uh, like one of her children, like Kate or Harry or whatever, to be involved in things, they go out, they start new ideas, they promote things, they create. And I think, uh, I was thinking about it just last night, and uh, it kind of pictures to me uh, us. If you look at the way the royal family functions, we're a royal part of the royal family. We've been adopted, and we've got to be learning the the methods and the things that are part of it. Thank you, Wade. Makes sense. Um, guys, um, so then, like, like Wayne is saying, uh, I serve at the pleasure of the king. Uh, however he wants to use me to set others apart, I'm going to assist him. This, do, do not look at your job. Do not look at your um, um, work. Do not look at your family. Do not look at any of these things as the primary thing. This is first. 
your job and work and everything else is an avenue that God has provided for you to function this way. That is why we have jobs. That, that is why we have homes. That is why we have so, social circles. That's why we have cities that we live in. They live in Langley. Some of you live in Richmond. Some in Vancouver. Why? Because these are areas where the king has appointed us to carry out a simple purpose. That listen, I set you apart so that you can assist me in setting others apart. When this becomes front and central, when this becomes front and central, you are living the purpose that you were meant to live on here in earth. Nothing else is important. Everything else is far, far secondary. It's nowhere close. When one thinks like this, one does not have to give up one's job. When one thinks like this, one functions well in one's job. The land blesses you, the job blesses you, and persecution may come. Because now a stance is being taken. Because as long as we proclaim and uh, nothing else, we'll be fine. But the moment you penetrate into places that you may be resisted, that's when the problem begins. It's order that for all these years we haven't thought like this. So when I say this, it's not like um, this is, yeah, of course, this is the way it is. It's not the way it is. It's not the way I've been thinking. And it's certainly not the way you've been thinking from what I've seen and heard. And if I'm wrong, then I'm glad to be wrong. Any thoughts? Anyone else? Okay. So then, what are the different ways that we can work towards this? Different phases of function. So one of the first ones mentioned in the Bible is the ministers of the gospel. Ministers of the gospel. There, these are different phases and functions that all of us can be involved in it. It's not permanent. It's not that if I'm doing this now, I can't do another. Maybe there'll be a time that comes when you'll shift from one to the other. Ministers of the gospel were guys like Paul, guys like Timothy, guys who had decided that they had such a distinct call on their lives to be ones who go minister the gospel in different parts of the world as the Spirit of God opens doors and to teach the teachings of Christ to establish and multiply churches. So ministers of the gospel, Paul is an example, Timothy is an example, Barnabas is an example. And so what Paul would do then is he would identify people who had the ability to be ministers of the gospel and he would take them on trips with him. Why? So that the apprentice could become a master builder. So that the apprentice could become a master builder. This was Paul's reason for taking people with him. Saying, hey, come. And on the journey in the mission field, a Timothy who had a Greek dad and a Jewish mom now gets to learn the ways of Paul. And so if you think that that is something that you fit in, if that is either something you've known for years and it's awaiting you or it's something you're supposed to function in now because that's a phase of life you've entered, begin to ponder on that. Begin to wrestle with God on that. Before you even volunteer for it, wrestle with God in it. Saying, oh God, I've always sensed this. Maybe the time in my life has come for it. Oh God, I have the beginning of this sense. Maybe I should talk to you about it more. Where you know that the calling on your life is so distinct in terms of, I want you to spend the rest of your life ministering the gospel and the teachings of Christ to establish and multiply churches. That may or may not be some of our call. That's definitely what I'm called to. And it's not that I haven't worked a regular job. I did it for a while till 1997 or 98. 
Okay, next one. The next one is co-workers, co-workers. This is a really amazing category of people. And as I was going through these categories, I was thinking of some of you for each of them, uh, which obviously I won't talk about right now. Co-workers, co-workers are guys like Aquila and Priscilla. Co-workers are guys like Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. These, these people have the ability to start businesses and start households for a while in a city and they'll run it well. And then two or three years later, when the household and the business has produced enough, they'll shut it down and move to the next city. So you had Aquila and Priscilla start something in Rome and then when they finished Rome, they went to Ephesus and they'll raise up people. They have the DNA that is required to find an Apollos. And Apollos is someone who seemed to have a lot of knowledge, but it wasn't complete. So they would come alongside Apollos. The ability to start businesses in some cities and nations where it would be impossible for someone to enter. But you have this ability to go in there, start something, build up a household. Raise people. And your intent is not to become a pastor there. Your intent is not that I have to now call this church by a name. You're just raising it up so that you, you identify an Apollos. Or you identify someone. And you set them in place. And then you've decided three years, this business is running well. I'm moving on to the next one. So you run a business both in terms of financial and in terms of the father's business. I was thinking of a couple of you in this church who actually have the ability to do this. We'll talk to you about it later. But many of us in this church are in such a phase of our life where this is just so ideal for some of us. Thank you for your tremendous excitement. Hey, uh, trust me, today if an ambulance came in looking for someone dead, we would have a pro they, they would have a problem. Hey, you gotta respond a little more, guys. You've got to respond a little more. I'm True, but at least let it show on your face that your uh, wheels are turning. Because <laughs> I'm searching, I'm going around the room, searching for one face to bounce things off and I'm not finding anybody. So, maybe it's a 17-hour flight. I wouldn't mind some encouragement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Pardon? Okay. So, thanks. Uh, that was response enough. Now you can go back and be normal. <laughs> hey guys, this is the same problem. This is the same problem everywhere. Uh, so it's not specific to us. I, I definitely don't want Rara, but uh, um, uh, in Chennai, 800 people, my God, they wouldn't move a muscle. So when 800 people don't move a muscle, that's a massive non-moving muscle. No? And so then Chad would make them say stuff like, say, say, and everybody will say, say. And, then, <laughs> and so after a while, he has to make them say things to keep them awake. So finally, even by the time you go to the 14th uh, repeat, people aren't even repeating. So then he'll make them do actions. Don't worry, I won't go there today. He made them do actions for uh, proclamation, 
penetration, progression. <laughs> he had to do stuff like this to keep them going. So we won't go there today. Unless you want to try it. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, like Dano, uh, like sorry, uh, Diana was saying, uh, you have to uh, examine it in your head. But go, go like hmm and stuff like that. So I know there is something happening. Yeah. Oh, like Mary, you're pondering it in your heart. Okay, great. Man, you guys are full of nice excuses. <laughs> this is true. Messengers. Then there are messengers. Then there are. Me I'm just picking up words from the Bible. Da. Uh, sorry, the da suddenly came out by mistake. The uh, messengers. Messengers are guys like Epaphroditus, um, who had the ability to assist and help carry the message faithfully. Assist and help carry the message faithfully. And what does that mean? Where you can be sent to any place in the world with a message from this church. And by message, I don't mean a telegram, but with a teaching from this church. And you will go there, carry it faithfully, deposit it faithfully so that it produces results. This was the kind of guy Epaphroditus was. So in the first case, it was guys like Paul and Timothy and Barnabas. Second case was guys like Aquila and Priscilla, and I really believe there are people like that here. The third one was messengers to assist and help carry the message faithfully. Which <laughs> EPA, PHRO, DITUS. That would be a cruel trick to play on your kid, huh? Yeah, so uh, is that who you are? Where you, you begin to, like uh, some of you were saying, ponder like Mary in your heart, that, oh God, am I to step up now and say, okay, begin to send me to different places because there are certain teachings that have been taught here uh, and not teachings of Jacob, but teachings of Christ that you recognize, that you have so understood, so practiced, so live out, so fruitful, that you want now to be sent to places where these teachings can be deposited. Where your life bears the teaching out. What a cool thing that'll be. These are the ways that Christ who set us apart seeks to be assisted in setting others apart. So instead of waiting for a tap on your shoulder and suddenly coming into the realization that, ah, so this is what Jacob may want me to do or someone else may want me to do. You've been pondering on it for so long that when you get the tap on your shoulder, you're thinking, boy, finally. That's how you think. Because you've been thinking about it. The more we think about it with God and wrestle with him, the quicker the tap on the shoulder comes. Because there's nobody on earth, nobody on earth who can prevent you from functioning in what God is calling you to. Nobody. No pastor, no nothing, regardless of whether the pastor likes you or doesn't like you. He cannot stop you from coming into the fruition of who you are. 
your advantage, even if I dislike you, maybe that I'm more, I'm obedient. So even if you if I don't like you, I'll still send you. The things that get your attention. <laughs> Fourth one. Benefactors. Benefactors. Oh man, I had some really bad crab soup day before yesterday night. Oh, it was terrible. It tasted good when I was eating it. And then for the next 15, the context, just to keep you guys awake. <laughs> and then the next 15 hours was so miserable and I could feel crab. And, pardon? <laughs> and then at some point, just when I was getting over it, the guy next to me orders seafood. <laughs> Benefactors. No. Benefactors aid financially. Benefactors aid financially by um, providing the funds required for trips, for new areas. They, they create pathways. They create financial pathways. They, by creating financial and uh, uh, creating financial pathways. They also help, they also help to open borders. So for instance, there was a guy called Erastus. Erastus was the uh, chief, uh, like what's a, what's a, not the mayor, the chief planning officer of a city. Erastus was a guy who was a chief planning officer of a city. So he would create for Paul, he would create pathways into cities because he was a guy who was very high up. Then there was another amazing lady called Phoebe. Phoebe was a benefactor. She was a patron. She would go ahead and prepare things for Paul so that he could enter into cities. Romans 16, she's applauded by Paul in uh, the first two verses saying, here is a lady who's a patron. And so these were people either of good, who had means or knew how to create a financial pathway and help open borders, open doors, open access to places. This is something that some of you have had prophetic words based on this. I mean, anytime I've met anyone of importance, it's not because I went knocking on their door and they opened it. It was because someone who had access opened the door. They were the ones who did this. There are at least two people like this at Acts 29, based on prophetic words that have been, that have been spoken over you in the past and based on words, based on what you will do in the future. At least two. Any questions on the benefactor bit? Okay. Next one. Is uh, mature ministers. Five mature ministers. As in guys who have learned how to take their skills and gifts and graces 
and now can use it to minister to people, often locally or sometimes outside. Mature believers who, who have matured in the use of, okay, I have this gift of healing. I have this gift of faith. I've nurtured it over a period of time. I've looked for every opportunity to step up. I've grown in faith. I've learned the word. I have a knowledge of the word. And now that I have all this, I've come to a place of mature ministry where I can be trusted in a local body or in a city to go out and minister and cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, and even raise the dead. Guys, all these things are in the Bible, but I'll tell you what my desire is, that in this small church, this church be packed with people like this. In this small church, that this church be packed with people like this. Because there's, there's no dearth of teaching in this church. We can never complain that we're not taught in this church. And now there's even opportunity for ministry over the last one and a half years. So you become an influence locally and in the local body because the Spirit of God, you've, you've learned how to operate in the Spirit of God. Healings happen. People recover. You pray and you see things. There's a no, word of knowledge, word of wisdom operating from you. And people are just blown away that here are simple people who... God uses to change lives locally and in the local body. Locally and in the local body. Guys, if nothing else, guys, Christ is looking for this. Christ is looking for this. I don't want to be a little drummer boy with my little drumstick standing in front of him saying, this is all I have to give. That's good for Christmas. Param pam 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 won't cut it in heaven. Here's another category. Mature elders and leaders. Mature elders and leaders. Is that actually different? In a sense, because mature elders and leaders are people who know how to run their families well. Their, their families are places that are run well. Their homes, if you go into their homes, you'll find that it's a godly home. And they have this ability now to be leaders. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a mature Christ-reflecting leader, you cannot have a mature Christ-reflecting church. If you don't have a mature Christ-reflecting leader, you cannot have a mature Christ-reflecting church. So if my life doesn't keep increasing in Christ-reflecting characteristics, then this church will suffer. and if maturity isn't a hallmark of my continuous growth, then this church will suffer. And the same applies to you, whether you're a household leader or a, um, um, leading a small group of kids downstairs, it's the same principle. It's always trickle down. It's never grassroots in the kingdom. There's no grassroots movement in the kingdom. It's a kingdom. Not a democracy. That's why congregational ways of governing in a church are actually contrary to the Bible. 
So mature leaders and elders who can, and these guys, the, the, the last two, the mature believers and the mature, are these lights necessary? Just, just checking, because. Uh, let's try it without the lights. Still glowing? Anything to keep us on our toes? Is the glow still there? All the good people can see the glow. Mike, good man. Guys, so uh, between the mature ministers and mature elders, you have now the ability to deconstruct strongholds that people have. Deconstruct strongholds. When people come to you, it's not just that they get healed. You'll actually go and figure out why is it that you're going through this sickness again and again. You help deconstruct strongholds. You bring wholeness. You know how to counter the attacks of the enemy. Mature leaders and elders admonish the unruly. There are three things that elders and leaders are supposed to do. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. The Bible talks about that. If you're an elder, your job is, or if you're a leader or an elder, admonish the unruly. Because every church, I pray, I, I, I'm so blessed and fortunate that we don't have unruly people here. The worst we get is dawn, and that's about it. So, hardly any unruly people. So, admonish the unruly. How blessed we are. Huh? How blessed we are, guys. I mean, stand in my shoes, and you suddenly realize what an easy job... I have. Most churches struggle with unruly people, but we don't. And this is the work of Christ in you. So blessed. So difficult for other pastors, guys. You have no idea. I'm not afraid to say this because the Lord will keep it that way. Huh? Elders are supposed to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. So these two categories, some of us must aspire for. These are things supposed to be aspired for. The Bible says aspire for gifts. The Bible says aspire for positions of eldership. But prove yourself as being good for that kind of leading and eldership positions. The Bible says aspire for grace. So reach out for these things. Because this kingdom is a kingdom of rewards and promotions. Please understand that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of rewards and promotions. This kingdom always promotes. This kingdom always rewards. And both promotion and reward is based on one simple thing, faithfulness. That's all it's based on. Can you show yourself faithful with the little that I have given you? And I will keep promoting you and keep rewarding you. What a cool kingdom. The last one. Short-term teams. Short-term teams. Any of the above categories 
can aspire for this. Short-term teams, where you uh, make it a point, as long as you know it is God who's asking you to, you, and you keep asking him, Father, is there a short-term team that I can travel with to a place of your calling? Not necessarily to India or to Mongolia, but will, when, when the time is right, can I go with a short-term team? Because uh, what's, what's a great thing about short-term teams? They have the ability to go somewhere and deposit like messengers mentioned earlier. And that aside, you get opportunities to excel in compassion. One of the things that happens with short-term teams is the opportunity to excel in compassion. Besides depositing the teachings that you have, the opportunity to excel in compassion, and you get a taste of mission. You get a taste of mission. You get a taste of mission. And whenever someone goes on a short-term uh, team mission, the leader always benefits. So let's assume that Heidi and Jillian and Jane are going to Nandigama in Feb. They will go there and deposit what they've learned here. Are they the best uh, preachers, the best ministers in this church? No. But will they find out what it is to be on a mission? Yes. Will they be stretched? Yes. Will they deposit what they've learned here? Yes. Will they have opportunity to show compassion? Yes. And in the process, when they come back, they will be changed people. And we will benefit as a church. The leaders benefit and they get processed. The great thing about Acts 29 that is that from its very foundation, without even knowing it, this church has always had one simple word attached, two simple words attached to it, sent and nations. These words are tied together in the very core of this church. It is impossible to escape that. No one made it happen, it's just natural. So think about these categories. Because all of us fit in these. But Jacob, if all of us do this, then who will we minister to? The fields are white and ready for harvest. They may not come into Pilgrim Baptist where we meet, but it doesn't mean that there aren't people out there. So think along the lines early this year as, okay, so Father, which of these should I begin to wrestle with you on? Because I so want to assist you, O Christ, who set me apart, now to assist you in a setting others apart. This, this is the only reason I live, oh God. See, I'm convinced at Acts 29 that we believe that. That that doesn't need to be drummed again and again. That we live for one reason alone, to assist Christ in setting others apart. This we know now. We're not here for prosperity. We're not here for blessing. We're not here to excel in the gifts. We're not even here for, oh, Holy Spirit fall. The Spirit of God falls when the people of God engage in the activity of the Spirit of God. Before Acts 2 had to happen, people gathered together in Acts 1 and then Acts 2 happened because they were gathered together to follow what Christ said in Matthew 28, which was go and make disciples of all nations. Spirit of God doesn't need any coaxing or any waiting upon to fall when a people desire to do exactly what he wants. You fall into one of these categories, guys. This is the ministry of the saints. Out of these guys come, I, I don't know, out of all these, you have a people in a local church called equippers. Equippers. Drawn out of all these. 
drawn out of the ministers of the gospel, drawn out of co-workers, drawn out of messengers, drawn out of benefactors. You have these people called equippers. And what is their job? They come alongside and equip you. In the, and what do they equip you in? Three things. Teachings of Christ. Sorry, first the gospel. Gospel and teachings of Christ. We can put that together. Gospel and the teachings of Christ. Gospels and the teachings of Christ. That's one thing you're equipped in. Second, good works. As in, how do you take your job, your talents, your life work, your skills, your place in life? How do you take all this and cause your works to so shine that let your good works shine. Let your light so shine before men that they shall see your good works and glorify Christ. And then the third one, raising inter, ah, raising leaders in every generation. This is what equipers do. And out of all those categories on the back of the board, there are people who God has, God has given them the grace to do this. And if you fall into one of those categories, begin to ponder with God. Father, do I have the grace of a prophet, a pioneer or an apostle, a teacher, an evangelist or a prophet? And if that is a grace in me, oh God, I come to wrestle with you. I come to uh, wrestle with you, not like Jacob wrestled, but wrestle with God in terms of how to think this through. Because equipers equip you in the gospels and the teachings of Christ. Equipers equip you in good works. As in, how do you take your job, your talent, your life work, your skills, your present phase in life, how do you take all that and make it shine wherever you are? And the third one is raising leaders in every generation. Guys, the, the joy I had of spending a day and a half with the young adults at um, that place in Chilliwack it was phenomenal. It was so good to see. I mean, Pastor Jim, who, who, who's from Richmond Pentecostal and who has maybe 500 or 600 people in that church, was saying, Jacob, it's a rarity to have these many financially and spiritually mobile young adults. It's a gift. We've been given strange gifts for a church that hardly can cut 70 on a super good day. It's very odd. Any questions before I close? Yes, they can help us become those seven things too. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think at this present stage, what I want us to look at is, of these categories, where, oh God, do I fit? That's where I want us to look at. Father, Sorry, of these things, 
where do I fit? Where do I fit in all these things? So that I can begin to ponder on them so that you can tap me on my shoulder because the tap is coming. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, you can be just one thing for a while and then you can be two things, then you can be um, three things. Yeah. I mean, I always use the example of Barnabas who was just a devout believer from um, Cyprus. He was a Levite whose name was Joseph. And then he goes and gets Saul from Tarsus when nobody else wanted to touch Saul because Saul was a murderer of Christians. And so he goes get Saul from Tarsus. And therein now he begins to be called Barnabas because he's now the son of encouragement. He also sells all his land and comes and places it at the feet of the disciples. So he's a bit of a benefactor there where he sells everything and places it for mission. How lovely are the feet of them that bring good news. And then he's counted among the teachers and the prophets in the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 13. And then finally in Acts chapter 13 verse 4 or 5 the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul and they are sent off as apostles. So you see a man moving in a matter of maybe just a couple of years or three years he moves through such a large um, um, spectrum. Must have been a very faithful man, man. And so sometimes when someone prophesies something on you, which seems impossible now, it is true, it does seem impossible now. But it is for the future. And that future awaits. So, um, any other questions? We might even be able to pray here. Show yourself faithful, guys. Show yourself faithful in these things. And exert your... I mean, at the end of the day, what is all this saying? That your heart must be involved because that's where spiritual formation takes place. Your head must be involved because you've got to learn the teachings of Christ and your hands must be involved because it's with your hands that you minister. Heart, head, hands, all three. Read, eh? read a lot, guys. The head must be involved. We must process truths. That's why big words like proclamation, penetration, and progression. Proclamation. Penetration. Progression. He could do it like a moonwalk. When I do it, feels like I'm stepping on stuff. But... Um, uh, big words like that sound big and are difficult to remember because we don't necessarily go home and process it, right? For me, the biggest word to process there is not the proclamation. I understand that. The progression, I understand. The penetration part where go into places where this is not heard and accepted. That is the hard part. That's the part the church uh, avoids. And so the head is involved, the heart is involved because that's where Jesus Christ is formed. Christ is formed in our hearts. And then the hands are involved in our ministry. And at the end of the day, guys, when you leave the earth, having done all this, you should have nothing left. The very nature of the apostolic, and I'm not saying apostles, I'm talking about the nature of the apostolic, as in a church that is apostolic is a church that has been set apart to assist Christ by him sending us out to set others apart. We have nothing left because we poured everything out. I mean, 
what do you think Mark and Rhonda want to do? At the end of their years, they want to pour everything out into their children. They don't want to take an inheritance or keep an inheritance for themselves. How do you, I mean, so where are you pouring it out? It goes as an inheritance into somebody else. When I leave the earth, I want to be so spent that there is nothing left. Then you can say like Paul, that you have been poured out like a libation, like an offering. You've been poured out, there's nothing left. Leave the earth empty and you will get such rewards in heaven. Because this is a reward-oriented religion. And you will not thrill at the reward, you will thrill at the reward giver.